Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week completes with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet, and sir, we are gathered here to. Uh, we are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about even more WWE releases. This was, of course, all over Twitter last night uh, with WWE announcing that they have released Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, Ruby Riot, Lana, and Santana Garrett. Uh, before we dive into all this and the fallout from it, Hamlet, uh, your reaction to this news, first of all? Um, probably the same as most other people's. That mix of surprise, um, not just at the names on the list, but the fact that yet more releases were happening. Um, and then realisation that this is the WWE of 2021. It's the WWE of 2020, or of, of modern times. Um, the long run of years we went where there, um, where there weren't really cuts to speak of are gone. The 2019 philosophy, seemingly, of panicking slightly about the uprising of AEW and signing a ton of people to five-year deals to keep talent are gone. Um, there are changes afoot, obviously, within the industry that this feels as much... Like, releases on this scale, as with the ones that happened earlier this year and with the ones that happened last year, speak to a philosophical change about how they're going to do business. Um we're going to talk a little bit later on about the possible ramifications of WWE being sold or if this is representative of that. But even if it's not, it's certainly representative of a company that now has given up this idea of warehousing talent, mm. this idea of thinking the only way to win their most recent wrestling war or remain the industry leader is to have everybody. That, if nothing else, is clearly no longer the strategy. Yeah, I mean, every release is surprising and unnecessary record-breaking profits. We say this every single time. And, you know, without question, the April releases were shocking. Uh, and we were warned ahead of time. Uh, shout out to Sean Rossap and all the guys over at Fightful. Brilliant reporting on this um, throughout uh, all, all we've seen. But um, yesterday, me and Andy were talking about this uh, rumoured, you know, major WWE releases. 
And I think, you know, you never want to speculate on these things, but even if we had taken a guess that the likes of Alistair Black and, and Braun Strowman, I mean, all these names really, just genuinely out of the blue, shocking. Um, particularly when you take into account, you know, what's been going on with them, you know, uh, all right, Billy Kay was doing stuff at WrestleMania, but it wasn't like, oh, well, they clearly, you know, you know this, this was just immediately cut through something that was major going on. I've just used her as an, as an immediate example. But you look at like Braun just fought for the title at WrestleMania Backlash. Alistair Black returned, what, two weeks ago and kicked Biggie's head off his shoulders. And I know we've reported in the news this morning that creative had no long term plans for it, despite all the excitement that everyone was was spreading uh, off the back of this interaction between the two. And you and I, have, I think even fantasy booked on a SmackDown preview, an easy sort of pay-per-view match, if not a sort of run of pay-per-view matches between, between Black and Big E. But like, it, it, I mean, Lana is, is in and around, or was in and around the women's tag team title picture. It's, it, it sometimes feels like, you know, the ax can swing, and they, you know, for example, I, I don't want to mention him in terms of people who should be released. You should never say, oh, I wish this person hasn't been released and this person should have been released instead. I'm not suggesting that. But I just saw his response to someone saying that, which was awful on Twitter yesterday. But when Baron Corbin's name was mentioned by a friend of mine, who's a bit more of a casual fan of WWF, do you think it could be him? And I said, no, he's in the midst of, I mean, it's ridiculous to say this now, but he's in the midst of crown stuff with yeah. Shinji Nakamura and Rick Boogs. But it doesn't seem like that's not necessarily taken into account, but even considered when when cutting people. Yeah. Um, the Braun Strowman one, which I guess is like a number of different conversations as various little bits of news creep out about why he was released and what we know, or at least what we think we know about a mammoth contract that he signed in 2019. And mm. if, budget, if budget cuts is being the stock reason given for these particular releases, then... That's a canny bit of budget to cut, it would seem. Um, but yeah, it's Alistair Black is one thing, and we'll, we'll kind of come to him in a minute. But certainly with Braun Strowman, I don't know if a reminder was even needed, to be honest. But his release will serve as a reminder that just about anybody at any level in the company, like, can suffer this, can suffer these consequences of these budget cuts in inverted commas. Um, it's not a nice feeling for wrestlers and staff alike to be walking around on eggshells thinking that their job is never safe. Um, it's an unfortunate reality of the world enough as it is, a lack of job security, a lack of a feeling of safety and, you know, sort of foundational security in your workplace. That's a problem enough in the modern world, let alone in an industry that has got a history of being fairly brutal and fairly ruthless like pro wrestling, um, these wrestlers, the majority of them at, at their ages now, have come through in a time where cuts were happening less and less. And if you could work yourself into a, a nice position, maybe not like main event money, as the, like as old timers would call it, but if you work yourself into a nice position in WWE and get a five-year deal, then why would you not think that you are part of the furniture? Mm. Braun Strowman almost certainly did. He did that interview with Lillian Garcia, I think it was, um, on her podcast where he said words the effect of, I'll never work for anyone other than Vince McMahon. Um, now, he's a guy that wasn't a wrestler before. Like, that makes you wonder, will he be a wrestler now? Mm. Or will he just go and find something else to do? Because if that was his mindset, I mean, I guess he said that from a position where he didn't imagine he'd have to be thinking about that reality in a year's time. 
But, you know, he used to say, if another promoter doesn't come calling, you might not be like, actually, yeah, why? Of course I'm going to work for somebody else. I can do this. Um, but he was of the mindset that this was obviously going to be his job for as long as his body would allow. Hmm. And they've made, and they've made the decision that that's not the case. He wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, let's look at like an even bigger picture for someone like Braun. It wasn't just the match he had at WrestleMania backlash. He was given a three month long program with Shane McMahon for WrestleMania. That mm-hmm. normally represents something. If you're working with Shane, you know, the, the McMahons are going to carefully pick who they're going to work with McMahon, like Shane McMahon, especially. Um, I don't think his universal title reign was any good, but the fact was he was chosen as a surrogate for Roman Reigns last WrestleMania mm-hmm. and pretty much remained that surrogate until Roman Reigns returned. If you think about Braun Strowman's universal title reign, I, I don't think by any measure we could call it a success, but what we could say is that, well, it took place in a period of like never before seen uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to hold belts, like him and Drew had to hold belts in a time that nobody has ever experienced as a pro wrestler. And between Romans saying no thanks to WrestleMania and coming back at SummerSlam, Braun Strowman was the universal champion the entire time. Bray won it the night that Roman came back. You know, they they decided that they needed a big guy on top of Smack, on SmackDown and Braun was their guy. So even going back to last year, it just seems like, like if I was to say to you now, uh, uh, Bailey is going to get released next week. Like you'd hold your hands up in shock and terror. She was vital to the company last year. Um, but then I'm saying to you, well, what was she doing at WrestleMania compared to what Braun Strowman was yeah. doing? All of a sudden, her release, as unthinkable as that seems to you or I, seems as realistic as the ones that happened yesterday. And I think that she was the example that came in at my head. Well, they'd never released Bailey. And then you just map Braun Strowman's last couple of years and you realise there's an argument for her as much as else. And it, again, it's, it speaks to your point. Nobody's release should be celebrated just as nobody else should be a comparison point because ultimately this is kind of unfair to everybody. As long as they continue to post those numbers, this is unfair to everybody because this company could afford to pay all these wages and pay all these bills. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we're going to get into this whole potential sale thing a little bit later on. Just a word on on Braun Strowman. The weirdest run of WrestleMania appearances ever. Just all over the shop. Um, And yeah, like you say, I thought it spoke volumes at the time that with, what, a week to, to go? And we made light of it with the whole, it's official bollocks, but the fact that, like, Roman's out, we need someone believable who could beat Goldberg quick and they turn to Braun Strowman um you talk about his contract he is the people uh, he's the person that that apparently WWE talent were were the least surprised about when it was announced because of this monster contract he signed with them I want to try and keep our political views out of this but I can't help but be you know pay reference to it you know you and I have made an obvious point of where we stand on, on these sorts of things. But, and not to harken back to Gallows and Anderson, but it just, just was a, a real microcosm of all this. It's like, I saw some people saying, well, well, AEW released people. Well, they didn't. They fired people who had had issues outside of wrestling prior to all this. And the most recent mm-hmm. releases were someone who's probably going to retire in Awesome Kong and someone whose contract just expired, and they went, no, we'll just not renew it. It's, it. It really frustrates me, this, that 
you know, as much as I'll bitch and moan about, you know, all the dead wood that maybe need to get rid of or, you know, pushing the wrong people, et cetera, et cetera. They're asking their wrestlers to, and I know they can ask for their release, but equally, we, how many times do we talk about them asking for, someone asking for their release, WWE just going, no, right? Yeah. But they're asking their workers to commit to two, three, four, five-year deals, like you say, and yet WWE can turn around and rather saying, yeah, you know what, when, our, when your contract's, you know, up in, in a year's time, maybe we're not going to do anything with you. Maybe you should start looking at other options, and for the time being, we're going to put you on bloody main event or whatever it may be. And yet, yeah, they WWE have the right because of again budget cuts. It's literally what Tommy and Alistair Black has, has said, and we'll, we'll talk more about him in a second. Um, it's not that's not the reasoning behind it. Well, it maybe is, as we'll get into, but it's just infuriating that and the the, the way things work in these in these uh, conflicts between employer and employees. Yeah. Um, guaranteed contracts have eaten themselves, basically. Um, I'm an advocate of them fundamentally because I believe that wrestlers should be um, certain of the money they're going to get paid for the incredibly risky work they do for a living. Um, Gallows and Anderson as well. Like These examples that we're all thinking of are not accident because we all remember the story. Triple H selling them on giving, like, well, this is going to be five years of your future. Think, like, think about your WWE is going to be here forever. So when you sign this mega money five-year deal, you're going to be able to protect your kids for five years. And, you know, as long as it goes well, you'll be here another five after that. That was the implication. And then they cut that deal short. Mm. What, a year in, two years in, whatever it was. Same thing appears to happen with Braun here because WWE hold all the cards and the independent contractors Mm. hold none of them. Um, Union talk comes up as it always does. Did with Zelina Vega in October. We had our chat. But it had to end with the usual. Nothing will probably happen, but maybe this gets us one step closer. Like it'll come around again. It will come around again. The chat will come around again because wrestlers just aren't protected by anything, including the contracts they sign. You know, um, another one on this list, I think, um, was Lana, who mm. signed uh, a fairly lucrative deal a few years ago. And like, can we talk about Lana now? Is it okay to like mention, like, sort of? Yeah, feel free. A bit, a, a bit on Lana. Um, I don't. Th- I think we'd be hypocrites to sit here and say that um, Lana was a fabulous pro wrestler. Um, however, she was good at other stuff, and WWE elected long ago not to use what Lana was really good at for the betterment of their product. Um, Lana and Rusev were a money act together, yeah. and constantly they tried to split them up and separate them and make both people people that they weren't. You know, um, Lana was a an effective heel alongside Bobby Lashley, but they deemed her to be surplus and then kind of turned the character into the thing that was dragging him down as a way to justify booting her out the scene and getting her back in the ring. She then, in the middle of the pandemic, I believe, um, uprooted to Florida to train to try and get better. And again, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite on this podcast, Cass, I think, you know, was she getting better? Evidence would suggest probably not. Mm. But wrestling doesn't have to be for everybody in pro wrestling. You know, Vince Mann doesn't even call it pro wrestling, does he? He calls it sports entertainment. Lana was a pretty great sports entertainer on a day. And they elected not to use those skills and instead try and force her into doing something else. Or at least guilt her into feeling like she had to do those things. So she was absolutely putting in the... It's a Dana Brooks situation again. Somebody putting in the... It doesn't mean necessarily that you're seeing the fruits of that labour on television but the labour is still being done. 
and I think it's just sad for her that it came to that. She was somebody that made a fortune before WWE put the thumb on outside earnings. So she was forced to take a bath there and lose that money that she was making. Um, I hope she's able to make it now. Yeah. I hope, I hope whatever outside interest she was cooking up before all this got taken away from her is still on the table and she's able to make the money that was effectively stolen from her like at the back end of last year. Yeah, just a quick word on that. I uh, recorded an interview yesterday. I came out of this interview to see the world on fire off the back of it, but I recorded a fascinating interview with the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis, which should be released uh, over the weekend ahead of that NWA pay-per-view. And he was talking about Mickey James. He obviously didn't want to go into too much detail, but he was saying how he and Mickey always tried to put a positive spin on things and saw her release, as awful as it was and poorly handled as it was, obviously, uh, in my words, though, is not Nick's, but uh, it was an opportunity. She can now, you know, help him with his, uh, I think it was, he's got some supplements that he sells and she wanted her to be like the female face of that. And she's had offers elsewhere. And yeah, like you say, Lana didn't kick up that much of a fuss, if I remember rightly, regarding that third party stuff. She towed the party line and this is how she gets repaid. Yeah, it's, it's, this is it. It's uh, for very different reasons. Um, all of them, actually, all of the names here, for very different reasons, all of their releases will almost certainly like make people feel worried in the locker room. Um, this happened. This must happen all the time. Like we we probably assume unfairly that like when a lower card wrestler gets released, the locker room won't like feel worried about their own jobs. That's probably not true. Like it's probably just a, a quite a cruel reminder that it can happen to somebody. But yeah, all of these for all very different reasons is the reminder that it can happen to anybody. I just want to make a mention of this because I'll forget otherwise. And we, I feel like we bring this up on every single one as well. Like I hope, and I don't think it's happening and that's no good, but WWE need to, I know they haven't got the money, unfortunately, need to spend big on protecting the mental health of their talent mm. because these wrestlers have lived a very different life. Most of them have lived a very different life to the rest of the world over this pandemic, for better and worse. Um, but in that time, they've had to lose contact with friends and family, as we all have, mm-hmm. and be confined to Skype calls and the like and Zoom calls. Um, and now the colleagues that they've kind of come probably to rely on over this period are being ripped away from them too. I do. I cannot imagine the headspace of a WWE wrestler right now. Wrestler and staff, I don't want to rule out there's people that we don't know the names oh, of because they're, they're dragged into this team. Um, just that company has managed to function and exist with relative normality over the last 12 months. And every now and then, half of the colleagues are ripped away. And we know, we say to this to each other, we're, we've been each other's support network over yeah. this last year and a half. And I just, I can't imagine what that must be like in real life to have some of those people taken away. Yeah, before we move on to, to the future of these guys uh, and the industry on the whole, um, yeah, a word on that as well. Like when you say the, the, the lower card people and you think, oh, some people may say, oh, it's no great, it's no great loss for Raw or SmackDown or whatever show that they're on. But I saw particularly, particularly to mention Ruby Riot, and mm. I saw this being said about Lana and Mina Murphy and what have you. But like, uh, I think it was Bailey tweeting about how great the former Heidi Lovelace was and, and you know, how much the nice things she did that she never talked about and never got publicized about of like sending, I think she sent flowers to all the the female dog owners on mother's day, just, just mm. genuinely nice gestures and stuff like that. And like you say, 
the the influence sometimes that can have on a locker room losing those people is it's not it's not always necessarily like oh bloody hell what if i'm next it's just the entire atmosphere may well change with that and a quick word as well on just to cover off if anyone's like well they were kind of crap in storylines and, and again this is no reflection on them but just to reiterate you know buddy murphy is one of the most talented in-ring guys i've seen in a long long time and it's not his fault that he left Seth Rollins, had a weird relationship thing with Rey Mysterio's daughter, and then just went back to Seth Rollins and then disappeared. You know, they may say, well, we didn't really have anything creative for him, but that's on them. That's not on Murphy or on any of the guys that we're talking about here. It remains the hole in my bucket of WWE, doesn't it? Like they use all these talent to get, extra hours of content to the point where we're all sick of it by the end of an episode of Raw. Um, and yet somehow creative doesn't have anything for you or we don't have the time to put into your character or they just don't see something in the talent or they don't have the, they don't have the patience that a talent might have for their, for their own work. Obviously Buddy Murphy being a good example of that. It, it beggars belief that a three hour Monday night Raw cannot find time for everybody. Mm. Um, because and you know it's not just three hours on Raw, is it? It's two hours on SmackDown. It's an hour on Main Event. It's two or five live. It's NXT. It's frigging anywhere they want. Like probably at any point in the world at any time, you'll be able to find WWE wrestling on a television somewhere. And that's discounting the fact that they've got their own network <laughs> through NBC now on Peacock that screens their products all the time. It is we talk about this all the time. It is a content factory now, not a wrestling company. And content factories, if nothing else, rely on, like, and sometimes it's at the detriment of quality and you kind of swim against that tide, quantity over quality. Mm. That's how that's how content factories thrive. And now we find ourselves in a time where WWE are making releases. You are sick to the back arse of everybody that you're watching on Monday Night Raw as that third hour takes place. And that's me being subjective because we review it every week. Just look at the number from yesterday's yeah. Raw, that yeah. third hour, like... Hundreds of thousands of people are sick of who they're watching by the third hour of Monday Night Raw, and yet they can't find space for the, all the various people they deem like worthy of release. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And even when they do find time for, for people, 
and invest in them and give them tales of the dark father vignettes and, whatever, <laughs> and then return them to tv and then set up a thrilling potential feud they just go oh no i can't be asked got nothing long-term creatively for that how do you not have anything long-term creatively for for Alistair Black versus Big E. Bonkers. But let's look to the future now with these guys uh, and and talk about where they could or possibly should end up. Because I think the tendency with this, and I saw a lot of this yesterday, I saw Tony Khan's name trending, for example, is everyone just goes, ah, they'll be all right. They'll just go to AEW. But I was saying this quite a lot a few months ago. I'm saying it again now. The, the solution is not everyone just goes to AEW because AEW have got a lot of wrestlers on that. And I know they're expanding. I know they've got Rampage and what have you, but I'm not, I'm not, and I don't think AEW would just randomly sign people as much as the whole, and we've talked about this as well, as much as the whole, oh, just WWE cast offs. No, they're some of the most talented wrestlers in the world that are just now suddenly free agents. Bollocks to that suggestion. But yeah, it, they shouldn't all just go to AEW because AEW may not be able to handle them correctly and, may not just have the space for them. They, they do things long-term. They can't suddenly be like, well, Braun Strowman's free. I guess we'll hoy him into the world title picture with Kenny Omega because we both, along with Sid, have, have suggested, well, long-term, you go in Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, which has been on the books for two years, probably. So that's not the solution. But what, what do you think about, about the futures of these guys? Because, you know, Braun Strowman felt like a WWE guy through and through, a, a from-the-ground-up wrestler, as many people say. Yeah, and he obviously thought that too. Um, so it will be interesting to see if that's the that's something he holds on to, or if he maybe he wants to work his way back. You know, maybe he stays in wrestling with a view of getting re-signed, and that's his end goal is to get back to WWE. So he works, does the indies, or he and like Braunstrom would be ahead of a draw. You know, like the indies, who knows what that's going to look like post pandemic. Um, don't know like what's going to be the health of local promotions. I would imagine. Any ex WWE name that wants a payday will get it because I just feel like I feel like like the Indies will regress quite badly. Um, not just because of the pandemic, you've got things like speaking out, you've got people that maybe were in wrestling beforehand that have elected to leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's impossible to know what they're going to look like. Um, but Abron Strowman would, um, you'd buy a ticket, see Braun yeah. Strowman work your local social club, you would. Um, so he has got that appeal in the short term. Uh, AEW, right? The thing is, I, like I would say in my head, Braun Strowman doesn't feel like a fit, but I think we can all make the assumptions and all be proven both right and wrong now. Um, Big Show's a freaking commentator, you know. Um, Miro took eight months to get over. The, mm. uh, there's no, there's no rules. What AEW is at the moment is a very efficiently booked wrestling company. So if you get signed there's a good chance that they will try and have something for you. Mm. But there is no hard and fast rule as to what works and what doesn't. A performance centre coach is arguably the best wrestler in the entire women's division. (laughs) And like it has taken Britt Baker from being the the chosen one back at Double or Nothing 2019. It's taken her two years to realise that potential and win that title. You know, like it's there are there are simply no rules as to how somebody gets pushed or selected. It can work, it can fail. Um, there are the likes of a Christian who brings with them fantastic television experience. I understand you can't, it's really hard to quantify. I understand why a Tommy End, as we can call him now, mm. and like I'm not particularly against that because I think I'd rather watch an Alistair Green promo than an Alistair Black one, but like. <laughs> 
a, why a Tommy End is the type that people immediately gravitate towards signing for AEW because AEW caters to like a particular hardcore base that would that would have wanted better for Alistair Black in WWE. Mm. So they would see those two things and put their hands together quite quickly. Same for Ruby Riot. I think they'll look at a division that is still in need of a talent Absolutely. injection and be like, well, bang on, she's right there. Like most people would have said that about Zelina Vega and she wasn't even like, like Zelina Vega is awesome, but like half the in-ring wrestler Ruby Riot was and is. So I would say like there were, there's probably the names that make sense to people, but I just, I don't think we can make those assumptions. No. Um, Andrade has not yet appeared in AEW. Daniel Bryan's status remains wholly unknown. Um, if it was just as simple as, oh, that guy you like makes sense in the promotion you like, would you see more of it? Mm. And it's just, it's there's no precedent for that. You mentioned Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. This AEW needs to try, and it's it's always proven really hard in wrestling, to try and juggle what they've got with what they can afford to put into the mix. You know, they've got to, that's going to be a constant balancing act for them um, as I mix about six metaphors into that. <laughs> um, it just, it's like every wrestling company has struggled with that. Um, some to immense success, WCW in 1996, some to immense failure, WCW in 2000. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's going to be something that like every individual case has its merits. There are reasons for and against every single one of all your favorites working in AEW but we could be here in a year's time and Braun Strowman could be like in a Lance Archer type position. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Because, because you just, you like sometimes a push can take and who wouldn't want to see Braun Strowman versus Marco stunt, for example, like uh, (laughs) it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's more exciting as a fan rather than just being devastated for your wrestlers getting released. The fact that the industry is fertile enough to have somewhere to consider as an alternative place to work. We go back to this a lot. It's a fundamental reason why it's great AEW exists and mm. people need to get stick out their ass if they don't think it is. Yeah, I, I realised I poo-pooed at the start of my introduction to this segment, <laughs> everyone going to AEW. But at a push, I think at least 50% of these releases will end up in AEW. I think Alistair Black, that I think AEW needs to move heaven and earth to get Tommy End, as you say, in. Because I've already seen on the tweets that we've got overnight potential you know fantasy matches that people are booking whether that be against like Darby Allen or obviously Kenny Omega uh Osprey obviously tweeted something um about him potentially facing him which would be just just spectacular uh, I think Ruby Riot like you say uh Heidi, former Heidi Lovelace um yeah uh, I've no question that the uh, the AEW's women's division has vastly improved from a couple of years ago but you don't turn down the opportunity to sign a Ruby Riot, like you say. And Santana Gara, I mean, I feel bad for her because she's kind of been overlooked all in all this. And she is a talent who has been utilised, not as well as or as much as many people would have wanted. But she is, is without doubt, capable of doing a sort of take on tea in terms of like, oh, they didn't do anything with her. And she can go on to wonderful stuff in AEW. There are three precedents for Santana Gara and they're all super recent. Um, Serena Deeb. Mm-hmm. Take on E and Diana Perazzo, like across AW and Impact. Look at what those three have done, having been like decidedly ordinary, or in the case of D, benched to being a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a sexist, ageist game, and even when they don't think they're doing it directly, they're doing it institutionally. Um, so let like WWE will continue to sign women, NXT will continue to be well stocked and staffed. Uh, 
So if this main roster can't, and, it, and I don't think it can, and I don't think it gets enough stick. Like, I think where we were in 20, we did a podcast the other day on 2018. I don't think the main roster could effectively knock out an evolution right now. No. I, like, I don't think they could. I think the booking's been piss poor for well over a year. Um, they'd rely on four or five key names, and then you'd be, like, the arse would fall out, and you'd have to do battle royals and multi, multi-woman matches all the way through. Um, Santana Carrot, like, has seen, if if she's got the drive and the talent and the patience, I think she's seen enough evidence that there's far more out there for her than what was within the WWE system. Yeah, I'm just trying to find this tweet. I saw uh, you know, a lot of tweets from Sean Ross Sapp last night. Um, before we talk about that, I will say also, I think it was Inside the Ropes I saw tweeting yesterday that more NXT champions have now been released than have gone on to become world champion on the main roster, which just reiterates something that we make on a regular basis as a point. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, a, it's still a flawed system. Um, Buddy Murphy was a guy who came through NXT and didn't hit the heights on that brand and kind of started to find himself on the main roster. So he could have been a, he could have been a case of a guy that was like, not floundering, he was a tag champion, but if anything, Blake and Murphy existed more to get Alexa Bliss over on NXT. He could have been a guy that they could have pointed to to say, look, like it's not all about the NXT guys. We've managed to make stars on our main roster as well. And they kind of flushed him. And he was clearly like working beyond the level he was given on the card as well. His matches typically were way beyond the kind of status he was afforded as a lower card guy. Um, NXT is what it is. And I love it for what it was. But we can't pretend it's a shining star developmental system. um, That it's the gold standard of bringing talent forward. Because there's just too much evidence to suggest it like it ever was. I found the tweet, finally. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeted uh, last night, SmackDown now has seven active women's competitors, which just reiterates the point you were making there. Talking of the other names then, I don't want to dismiss her. Like you say, she was improving. She maybe wasn't to everyone's taste, but it seems like Lana, if she wants to, can carry on a a career in wrestling. I I have no doubt that someone like Impact Wrestling would would be open to her and and someone of her... uh, wide renown in terms of like influence without question but she could very easily just go off and do stuff and and make money in areas that she was until WWE decided that they want a slice of that pie and I think I saw people talking about Braun Strowman and movies and that may have even been an influence as to to why he leaves and Buddy Murphy literally any promotion in the world I think Murray was tweeting about him going to DDT he'd love to see him in there uh, obviously, AEW, Impact, he could be a world champion tomorrow for me, uh, as he could be in AEW, if booked correctly, by the way. Uh, and uh, there's obviously New Japan as well for Buddy Murphy, who, who would excel there too. What, what do you reckon to those three? Yeah, uh, New Japan, um, I hope, are keeping a very close eye on these releases because they're in desperate need of an injection of star power. I wish it wasn't a reliance on North American wrestling or wrestlers from the West, broadly speaking. Um, But just that product has suffered badly and has creatively stagnated somewhat in the last couple of years. It's obviously been the recent, um, I don't know how you'd even really refer to it. There's a certain controversial element to Will Ospreay surrendering the IWGP Mm -hmm. title um, and about what that may be reflected about the wrestlers that were unhappy working there. It just doesn't feel like the company it was a couple of years ago 
inside and out. Nothing about what you're watching on television does. Nothing about what you're hearing about behind the scenes does. Um, but it's a product that people want to love again and a, a, like a title lineage that people want to care about again. And I just think Buddy Murphy feels like an obvious one um, and not just because for years he was dealing with being considered a bit of a, like a, a budget Kenny Omega. Mm. Um, and that New Japan has missed a Kenny Omega. So I'm not <laughs> suggesting you sign a budget one, but you just find a guy that would fit that role quite nicely. Um, Braun would be like a throwback signing for them too, in the way that they used to bring over the likes of a Bruiser Brody or a Stan Hansen, where like these giant Americans, um, I don't know how well it would fit anymore, but I think there's like, there's room for experimentation. Yeah. Uh, I I sincerely hope, like I, don't, like, I don't mean to sound a bit like wishy-washy, I hope any one of these names, as with the others of recent times, that wants to stay in wrestling, gets to stay in wrestling. Yeah. Because I feel like they've taken, they've had that thing they want to do taken off them in a very unjust fashion. You know, I've been thinking this a lot about the um, about the Iconics lately. Cassie. Mm. Cassie and Jess, as we're to call them through Twitter now, which still feels strange. Mm. Um, all the stories you hear about how respected they were and about just how great they were to have like around in the locker room and behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff makes me think, well, what a value they were to the company they worked for. And I hope they can be that value to somebody else. It's a wrestling's an office, man. It's just a workplace. Ultimately. It's just, it's anyone listening to this podcast that has like missed the opportunity to go into work and catch up with their colleagues and share that bit of carpet. That's all wrestling is to the wrestlers fundamentally. Mm. So you want them to find a new place of work if that's what they want to continue doing. Maybe this is it. Braun, you know, going back to, to Braun, maybe when you say about movies, you know, it was, what was it? It was strongman stuff before, mm-hmm. something like that. Like maybe this is it. Maybe wrestling was a chapter. And like we as fans only ever look at these people in the confines of them as pro wrestlers and then wonder when they'll come back or wonder where they'll go and do something else. Maybe this was just that bit of his career where he was a wrestler. Mm. And, you know, if you said that, to, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, oh, God, when's The Rock coming back? Because you know him to be a multi-gazillionaire film and TV star. Wrestling was just one small chapter of that for him. Like, we don't sit there every week and be like, when's he going to sign for AEW? <laughs> like, a lot of these wrestlers might just see it the exact same way and see this as a chapter of the career and move on to the next thing. And certainly with one of Braun's highlights uh, in WWE, he could go on to a musical career, possibly. <laughs> um Final small point to talk about now, Michael Hamplett. The conversation rapidly moved on yesterday from these releases to the sale of WWE. We've we've talked about this. We've heard whispers of this for a while. Uh, We've speculated on it. But it it seems like the strongest case yet with budget cuts and now they've got these huge TV deals and they're reducing their number of staff that WWE could be getting sold. I mean, I saw Sean Ross Sapp talking about yesterday uh, on the opposite side of things. I think I saw a Brandon Thurston talking about the fact that you know Nick Khan's just come in. It's the start of this new regime, and this could just be reflective of the the, the sweeping changes they want to make there. What do you think about all this? It's so strange this because on one hand, like every take, be it logical, like Brandon Thurston's, and informed and rational versus that of anybody that's been watching any version of WWE pretty much since Vince McMahon bought it from his dad in the early 80s. Any take that says Vince McMahon will never sell, you kind of feel naive going against that. 
Mm. because of what you know, because of just what feels ingrained in you as even a casual observer of this industry. Like you just feel naive for thinking that like Vince McMahon won't die in his chair in Gorilla, you know, not to be vulgar about it, but, you know, I'll go out with his boots on, as they would say, like yeah. he will be in this job until he, until life takes him away from it. Um, however, you are also taught in wrestling more than most things to never say never. It's naive to never say, like, I've said this on a podcast before. Mine was Eric Bischoff appearing on Raw. For whatever reason, that was just a, right, never, ever assume anything ever again. <laughs> that was mine. I'm sure there have been countless ones for other people that have come before and after that, but that just happened to be mine. And I, and I never did. Um, I'll never say that CM Punk won't wrestle again or whatever. You know, whatever, you, whatever your thing is, mm. there's no never to me. So there is no never here either. Um, and I like that for the first time in a long time, I remember going back a decade there's conversations that Vince McMahon was entertaining the idea of Disney uh, coming in and like there was like whether it was just like casual hubbub, rumor, gossip and innuendo yeah. or if a meeting had taken place or whatever. Just this idea that was thrown out for the first time that like put it in a perspective that you could at least visualize. Well, WWE is massive. But there's only one Disney. Mm. It's kind of WWE is basically the Disney of its own universe. It's not actual Disney. So if actual Disney fancied it, they'd. Just come and get it. You know, if the dollar amount was like limitless, they'd find Vince's dollar amount and they'd get it. And it never happened. But it was the first time that you thought, oh, yeah, there is, maybe there is a bigger picture. And yeah, now budget cuts are happening. Now sales are taking place. Now there's constant corporate restructures. Nick Khan has taken a role that in any other line of work, and I've had jobs where this has happened, I would look at him being there to be there for two years to oversee a takeover. Mm. The things that he has done already... And like, for those that might not be familiar when I say this name, I worked for Northern Rock as it hit the wall. Anyone in the UK might remember, anyone in the USA that doesn't know, um, it was a- attached to the collapse of the Lehman's Brothers. Um, the financial collapse of about 2007, 2008. It was a run on a bank and I was working there at the time and, pe- and we were all going to lose our jobs. And people were being brought in to work a year on really fat contracts to basically see through a transition whether it be the company folding, whether the company being taken over, as it was eventually in the case of Northern Rock. It looks like that from the outside. It really, really looks like this is being primed for a takeover, for a sale, for making this seem like the more something that is very affordable to run. Um, imagine if you reduce your budget by, let's say, 20% in one quarter, at the same time being able to say, well, do you know that NBC now houses all of our content on a streaming service? Um Record-breaking profits. In a year where we've made record-breaking profits when businesses are hitting the wall because of the pandemic. It's a pretty appealing sales pitch, isn't it? Mm. Like, you, can, you can see the PowerPoint slides mm. in the meeting if, if, you, if they're trying to shift it. So, yeah, uh, Vince McMahon will take the company to his grave versus never say never in pro wrestling. I genuinely think it's getting to a point now where I was very dismissive even with all the April releases, because it's like, well, they do April releases all the time. And even you know, as awful as it was with the sort of behind the scenes releases, you're just like, oh, they're just corporate bastards trying to improve that bottom line. It's getting to me now where it's it's a coin flip, genuinely, because of everything you've just suggested there and, and Nick Khan's role in, in all of that. I mean, that we bought a bloody house in LA. Like I've heard Cornette talking about this, saying you don't buy a house in LA if you're going to be needing to go to Stanford every single day <laughs> week or whatever. So who knows that I mean, maybe just sort of, you know, connecting the dots like bloody Charlie and it's always sunny, but, but who knows? 
I'll say this, there would have once been a time where the sale of WWE from out of Vincent Manor hands would have created like a certain feeling of panic amongst the fan base. I think watching an episode of Monday Night Raw, you'd look at it and think, well, it can't get any worse. Hand it over to a stockbroker for all I give a shit, like, rather than the guy that's been in this mm-hmm. industry his whole goddamn life, because he doesn't seem to care about the quality of it anymore. So gone are the days where the lack of a McMahon at the table would denote a certain security for the wrestling fan. Mm. I'm, I'm still, and I, I don't know how to feel about it as well. You, as you say there, on the one hand, I go, oh God, just I, I'm longing for and wishing for this this sweeping change to WWE, but there's still elements of WWE that I really really enjoy. I, I thought NXT was great this week, for example. SmackDown consistently I look forward to. I get up and it's the first thing I watch on a Saturday morning, or even sometimes you and I have sat there and watched Wheel of Fortune before <laughs> uh, on our hooky American TV streams or whatever it may be, just because we enjoy it so much. Raw, yes, dreadful, but. Let's not forget, as much as we poo-poo it and go, oh, God, I wish someone else would change it, A, things can always get worse, and B, mm-hmm. we still do get moments like night one of WrestleMania. So, you yeah. know, you care for what you wish for. And I, I feel like should WWE be sold is, a, is an entire podcast in and of itself, and we'll we'll discuss more about this uh, on WrestleCulture on Friday afternoon as we get more details, and we'll keep you posted with it all. But do let us know your thoughts uh, on these releases and the future of the talent and WWE going forward, because this is yet again a WWE releases story that will run and run. Let us know your thoughts, as I said, at What Culture WWE on Twitter. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all, as I said, at What Culture WWE. And subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts inevitably dealing with this over the next few days uh, we're also going to have a Q&A Twitter session with myself and Michael Sidrick later I sent some of the questions may well be about this uh, at what culture WWE as I said but for now this has been get the table my thanks to Michael Hamlet thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 